Welcome to From the Rookie End's final podcast of the 2013-2014 season. We are walking through Oxford Park after watching Watford lose. Capitulate. Capitulate. That's a good word, Michael. 4-1 to uh, Huddersfield Town. I, I, mean, I don't think I should be walking next to the Canal Splash River because I'm about ready to jump jump in and end it all, quite frankly. <laughs> it hasn't been the best uh, end. Last game we saw, Jason, was a 3-1 home win uh, against Ipswich. That was the last high of the season. It was the last point of the season, uh, and it's been pretty dismal since then. Four defeats. The QPR game was, was all right, though, Jace. Yeah, was, there was a good performance. We took the lead in uh, one point during that game. We were three points off the playoffs with a game in hand. Hard to believe that now, but uh, yeah, and QPR got back into it. And at the end, obviously, we were, we had to go for the for the three points, um, and it was in doing that that we got caught out and conceded the uh, that typical late goal again. Typical late goal. Should we call the podcast a typical late goal? <laughs> but then, Mike, we've, we've lost it uh, uh, today against Huddersfield, Charlton in the week, yeah. uh, and, and Derby away. Yes. You went to the Derby away game, and your, your texts to me weren't particularly positive. No, certainly won't be repeating them on a, on a family podcast. Yeah. I, was, I was furious. I just thought the nature of the performance, it was, it was ill-disciplined, it was indifferent, it was disinterested, um, it was lacklustre. And while you know, I accept that they didn't have anything to play for after after missing out on the playoffs. That's, there needs to be a, a, some sort of professional pride. There was absolutely none on display at, at Derby. You know, fair enough, they're a team flying high. They're in the playoffs, they're scoring goals for fun, they're confident. But the way Watford played that, that game was, was very, very poor. Um, I was in offer tickets for, for a number of people to go to the Charlton game and I, I couldn't stomach it because on the back of the Derby game. I listened to it and it sounded like it was the same again. Poor discipline, Riera getting sent off and then refusing to leave the pitch you know, goals concede, and again, you can, you know, if you want to put the other side of the, the, the case, the defence, if you like, Charlton had to win to stay up, and I was saying to Andy, you know, if, if, you, were, if you were Charlton and you had Watford coming midweek, you'd expect probably to, to win, but the performance sounded just so, so poor, and then again today, first half, we started off quite well. So the first ten minutes were very good, and uh, with Alex Kubiak making his debut, we thought, oh, brilliant, he's going to score a goal, I think, I shouted at one point, he's going to do it. Yeah, jinx. Didn't. Um, and I think really, the thinking, looking back on it, the, the second half, and, the, and, the, and I'll, I'll use that word again, the capitulation really sums up our, our season. We let a goal in early, so you talk about concentration, there would have been a, a team talk at half-time and a plan, go out and execute it, and within 10 seconds, 20 seconds, it's, it's completely fallen down. Uh, Bondi's made a, an absolute howler for the, for the second. Um, so again, you know, we're talking about defensive mistakes, and it's, and it's mistakes which have cost us throughout the campaign. Um, and really, they were all laid bare this afternoon on this on this sunny uh, sunny final day of the season. Really, really, very disappointed with the way that it's petered out after QPR. Like we've said, we had to give that one a go, and losing that was no no disgrace. But the but the performances since have been extremely worrying, and I for one, and I'm I'm still quite angry about it. We uh, we'll we'll discuss later in the podcast about what's going to happen next. But the main focus of this podcast is to celebrate. Is the top ten of the 2013-2014 season. So we're going to count them down. We're on our way to the Railway Arms Pub, um, the place where we first started this podcast, for a few beers to celebrate, but to commiserate. Top ten, not half, mate. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the rookery end. Ten. 
Number 10 had to be the 1881. Starting off this season in the, the southwest corner of the of, uh, of Road. Where there's building work going on, they yeah. decided they wanted to build an atmosphere. <laughs> Good construction analogy. Uh, they've been a fantastic job. I think some people might have thought that they were going to go and turn the, the rookery into Dortmund's whatever the they wall. call it, the yeah, wall. I think they've done an absolutely terrific job, especially bearing in mind how difficult this year has been. They have put their money, literally their money where their mouth is. You've seen lots of banners and flags and stuff like that. And have come. The, the, the important thing to remember is they've come from a standing start. Watford has been quiet for as long as I can remember. Jace, you go back even further. Yeah, it's never, yeah, never been it's always been it? always been quiet. I mean, it, it got to the bad as a stage in uh, one game where they had played piped crowd noise. Yeah, yeah. So this is what this is a sort of backdrop that they're operating against, and to, and they've kept going, culminating today when we were. 4-0 down against Huddersfield in a, in a dead rubber, an absolutely abject, ab- abject performance, and they were still going, and I think it's been absolutely terrific, I mean, massive, massive addition, hugely welcome, and will only get bigger and stronger. Let's have a word with the man uh, behind it, Roy, uh, and see how his season's gone for him. It's been a lot, lot better than I anticipated, considering we've been relatively poor on the pitch, okay, our home form has been okay, but... And as you can see today, the 881 have been really good, you know, possible one today, and it's, it's it's happened quite a lot of times, home and away, where we've had a poor performance, but we've just kept on singing. So I think it's been quite quite a big success, but we are hoping for a lot better season next season. No, you are dependent on what happens on the pitch, um, but I think everything, you know, we we carry about it, and everything's been going absolutely fantastic. It's, it's it is year one. Yeah. You can't. You can't, you can't do massive things in year one, can you? No. Um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of other groups uh, up and down the country have been going five, six, seven years. So uh, there's a lot of things that we've learned, a lot of mistakes that we've made this season, next season, will we'll be a lot better. Well, we look forward to hearing more singing, and it's only making things better at Victor Thank you very much. Track number 10, the 1881. Nine! was the pre-season tweeted pictures from the Italian training camp. Now, Jason, there's a long period of this time where we, we didn't know who was going to be wearing yellow, did we, this season? We, no, we didn't. We didn't. Um, a bit similar to last season, I guess. There was uh, lots of rumours going on. I think, obviously, the season before, we weren't sure how it was all going to work. This summer, we had a better idea of how it was going to work, where the players were going to come from. So everyone was hurriedly looking around on YouTube looking at all the possible options of players we could get so there's a lot of maybes rumours yeah. yeah it could be wishes. him it could be that yeah. wishes and that sort of thing um, so we needed a, a better a better hint of who was going to be here because um, as well as all the stuff could be coming in who was going to stay from the previous season yeah. there, was, there was a big risk of, of losing all the, all the, the good players that uh, that's got settled in around Watford so uh, we needed a clue didn't we and an the club, idea the club won't be doing official announcements and um, you know, there's reasons why because they have to make sure things are signed sealed and you know eyes are dotted and, and T's are crossed but the players are giving us this through their Twitter accounts and their twit pics it's great yeah there's one that said that, that, I don't know if someone doctored it but there's a picture of all the guys that we wanted to see back most of them anyway we, we kind of knew Vidra wasn't coming back and we knew, knew that Chalibur was going to go elsewhere but you know we saw that picture of like we're back and it's like, right, we can sort of breathe a little bit easier now. We've got those guys back. It is happening the way we thought it was going to happen. Up yours, everyone who thought, what are you going to do when the loadies go back? They're ours now. Suck it up and see. And then suck it and see. And it just felt like, right, here we go. 
but then it felt like the start of something exciting. So the num- number nine was the pre-season Twitter pictures from the Italian training camp. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Eight! Reading away, 3-3. Three, three. A game where in the last 10 minutes we grabbed a result. You were there, Mike. Yeah, we grabbed a result, we grabbed a draw, um, but we were 3-1 down with probably 10 minutes to go um, and had, uh, yeah, it was looking like we were going to get nothing. Very early in the season, massive away following 3,500 Watford supporters, so had a real sense of an occasion about it, even that early in the, early in the season. Um, and to come back from basically what was the dead um, to get a draw was absolutely superb. But the more, even more exciting was about it was was a performance of Farioni and and Fabrini who came on into that game late, and they linked up like an absolute dream. And, and in effect, and it's a fairly crude phrase, but they tore Reading a new one down the, <laughs> down the right hand side. And it was just I thought this is this is excellent. You know, massive away crowd. We've come back with with silence. A big home following. Uh, they get Reading are going to be there or thereabouts. And we've got these new players who are just going to rinse everybody. And it's just so. All right, we were three-one down, so we didn't want to get too carried away. But it was it was absolutely exhilarating to come back from three-one in in some style as well. And, it just, and to have some of the new players playing a real big part in that was uh, was massively exciting at the time. Well, it seems a long time to go now. It was it was the first back performance, but you know, Jason there, Mike's mentioned you know Caroni and he played today, but Fabrini, there was this season, yeah, you know, he came, he played a bit, and he went. It's amazing what we talked about players could possibly come in here we had a, a guy that played for Italy in the season before playing for Watford in the championship it was like oh my god my, I, I remember someone asking me and saying oh I can't remember they mentioned who, who the player was that they thought to win once they go for. I said, what about Fabrini? You've got to look out for Fabrini. He's an Italian international. Loads of skills. I think he scored a great goal in the friendly, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. yeah, was, yeah. Ben Granada. And Tony sort of added to the, uh, to the expectation. And that might have made him my favourite new Watford player after that goal. Yeah, and it just, and it just didn't happen. And the yeah, Reading game, yes. And, he did show little moments of brilliance, but it just wasn't enough. He, he, just, he just felt like he got bullied off the ball too much. Yeah. It's a bit cliche to say it, but he just didn't adapt to the uh, yeah. the way the championship football was played. He never really looked like he had the had he wanted it was up for the fight. Um, I don't think he knew what he was letting himself in for. Quite frankly, with him mentioning him, it's also worth remembering he's still a Watford player. So, yeah, technically he is, yeah, yeah. Um, him, and him, him and Javier Cunha, we might see, we might yeah, see. Really, yeah. Yeah, 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 so... The boy Santos. Yeah, yeah, so... Who knows what's going to happen there, but they, they came, they, they showed flair, but they, they didn't necessarily get any time. So, number uh, number eight was a spirited 3-3 draw with Reading away. Seven! Pepe Sininho's touchline behaviour and the ability to see the lining of his amazing suits. Now, he had a tough job when he started, Jason, didn't he? he yeah, he had, a, he had a tough job when he started and he's probably got a tough job now to, <laughs> to, to keep it as it is. You cannot doubt the guy's enthusiasm and passion, passion during a match. Compare and contrast to uh, another bald-headed Italian that we've had as manager in the past. <laughs> who used to just sort of sit there or stand there, arms folded with his pale green jumper on. Um, <laughs> and again, I remember talking to, to, to friends at the time how they were happy to see Viali leave because of the, they felt the lack of passion that he showed as manager. Um, completely the opposite to Nino. I've also been fortunate enough to have spoken to 
someone who has been fourth official at a Watford game this oh, season. Oh, right, okay. And he said what an absolute nightmare it was <laughs> to, to, to keep control of him, which is for a Watford fan, that's a good thing. You want your manager to be uh, a pest. He came in at a very, very difficult time. We were not in the doldrums, that's sort of overstating it, but after after Zola left, we were, in, we were playing some very, very poor football games with very, very poor results. Well, we just, it was just all going wrong very, very quickly, and there were no signs of no signs of recovery and it was just a, we were all in quite a dark place weren't we we lost at home to Yeovil Devon State who have been, been relegated by a country mile we lost at home to Seven Wednesday who again have been disappointed you know it was just all going going south very very quickly so it's, it's easy to, to remember sort of the end of the season not being great but Sanino came in, in, in at a tough time and, and unknown to what the supporters so he had to he had to make an impact and he, he stopped the rock um, and he did so and, and, he, and he almost gave us something to smile about with, with, with why the reason he's in this list really is just he's quite flamboyant he was fun to watch he was he looked like he meant it he looked passionate um, he was stylish apart from perhaps that trip to Bristol City where he wore his amazing suit and topped it off with a pair of Pumakin football boots um, so that was his one sartorial slip up um, probably based on the fact that he literally did slip up in the game before that I think didn't he he fell on his, fell on his backside and yeah. so he, he went to school and bought some boots but um, yeah he, he had a very very tough job to do and it was it kind of gave him a bit of a fillip seeing him coming in and being flamboyant and expressive and waving his arms around and, and still looking and managing to look smart at the same time because his big problem his biggest issue he had was the fact that he didn't speak English and as a fan I found like you, you couldn't listen to the tone of his voice after a game to really understand how he felt and you know get a feeling that he knew that the next week in training he would do something about it or, or he wouldn't do something about it because he couldn't speak English but the way he acted on that pitch you knew what would a change room be like with that man in it at half time if Watford yeah. were 1-0 down it would be absolutely brilliant he is been a Watford manager and so far we like singing our songs and it was only fitting that we have a song for Beppe Sanino a cross comes in from the right no defender to be seen Another capitulation Oh dear, what might have been? Supporters howling, why can't we protect the league? We score great goals and then concede We let them in, we let them score On and on, we couldn't take much more with patchy form in league and cup You won't go off Sunny no, sunny no Couldn't fix a leaky back ball Sunny no, sunny no In the championship once more We don't care which league we play Let the horns play on The Prem never bothered us anyway With a good pre-season We'll recover from this fall New players and a new stand We'll be back! We'll beat them all! This time we'll see what we can do If they score one, hey, we'll score two With Toja and Ya and Abdi Glory 
سرینا سرینا پیش دخالت لکس سرینا سرینا I never stays inside his box We don't care what the others say Let the horn play on A football stylish Bring the ball all over the ground Noisy from supporters in every part of a packed ground. Angela stylish and you're faster than the light. This season's rubbish, but the past is the past. Sunny no, Sunny no. Will he stay or will he go? Sunny no. Sunny know, all we really know is that here we stand and here we stand. Let the horns play on. We'll always be here when you play. After game, we were waiting around for the team to come out. One bloke came out and absolutely shouted across the pitch. And Beppe was not on the pitch. With things that you could not repeat, as you say, Michael. Was not happy at all with Beppe Senior being the bottom manager. Yeah, he basically wanted him to go. He said, we basically said, we hope we've seen the last of you. We don't, don't want you back. And, you know, what he, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But it's very... I think he's given the, the Pozzos a, a, a decision to make now um, after a relatively acceptable, shall we say, first couple of months in the job and then he obviously he, we had some very, very good home form. It has disintegrated very quickly into what has been a very, very poor final three three games. Um, and so having missed, missed out on the playoffs, which we didn't deserve to get anyway, we were never really anywhere near and we, you know, we ended up probably where our play where our overall performance deserved to, deserved to be but the end of the season lack of discipline lack of concentration lack of shape lack of perceived effort I don't really believe that, that people don't try but but no, it's a bit where you try and then something happens and you give up yeah and you know I mean, there's a derby they were, they were very very bad Charlton they were very very bad Huddersfield they were, they were very very bad um, and it's just given the, the Potsos a, a, a question to answer and personally I think they'll be thinking we don't want what happened this year to happen again we don't want to be changing manager in, in October, December, January they'll want to go up you know they, they, they do want to get promotion they're, they're here for the long haul but they want to get it right sooner rather than later and in my in, I have to be honest in my heart of hearts I at this present moment and alright I'm, I'm slightly jaundiced if you like by, by the derby experience and today I don't see Beppe Sanino taking this club up and therefore, I think that the Potsos are going to get rid of it. But it's been fun watching it. Absolutely. <laughs> Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Six. Luke O'Neill's tennis ball skills and what you could only describe as, a sheer, as an exuberant debut. Jason, that debut was pretty spectacular. Yeah, spectacular in that I don't think I've ever seen 
a player come on in his first professional game and the first sort of impact on the game is to poke the opposition defender in the eye. That was... <laughs> that was, that was it was. It was just, and then he just sort of carried on tearing around the pitch um, for the remaining five minutes of the game. I think that was left... Uh, I've talked a lot about enthusiasm today. Yeah. There was a lot there. It was there. But the, the, the thing that sort of brought him to our attention was this tennis ball. How many was it? He kept that? I think he only stopped keeping that tennis ball up because someone told him he had a game to play the next day. And he, <laughs> literally, he just had to stop. I think it was in late 400s, wasn't it? 270 odds? We ought to protect what, what I'll do is, I'll go back home, Mike. I'll look it up. At this point, I'll edit in me saying the exact number. 478. So it's an incredible amount, yeah. <laughs> um, and it obviously led to people digging out tennis balls left, right, and centre. And there was a small campaign amongst Watford fans to get Mitre to release a uh, size one football to use in championship games. That never quite came to fruition, but incredible stuff. Great to see. And you know, it's another link back to the youth in the academy. Um, obviously, we don't play football with tennis balls that often. Personally, I think that should be a minimum now for all academy graduates. They need to be keeping a tennis ball up 450 times before they get a, get a first team uh, performance. Today we saw two debuts, one for Alex Kubiak, who we've seen score a couple of times this season, Mike. He's pretty impressive, and for the first ten minutes of the game, we thought, oh, he, he could do something, and he's some really intelligent runs they be doing. That's a bit of the joy, the, the hope for the next few seasons, that we, we keep bringing these players through. I think it's just a, it's the combination, isn't it? Because we know we can't, we're not going to get promoted using only academy graduates, but as a, the, the club set up the way it is, we have to do that. The Foxos want to make money on players, so they, they, you hope they they invest, continue to invest in the academy players come through they perform well for Watford and ultimately they're sold on but there has to be that good mixture between academy players and, and experience from, from from around the world which is, which is a great thing to say but I would be very very disappointed Jason, I'm sure Jason would and you would and, and everyone else who, who, who supports them. Watford would be disappointed if we didn't have days like today where Jakubiak came on and performed well you know well, what I hope and expect of the Parts of the going forward is that where we get our youth players from becomes a much wider yeah, the source. So we're taking youngsters in from overseas and developing them as academy players rather than just local lads. Number six is Luke O'Neill's tennis ball skills. Five. Watching Angela work his magic in defence and attack. He was pretty special, wasn't he, Jason? Is it? Yeah, let's forget today's game. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, <coughs> but uh, but yeah, he's, he's from the get-go. He was he was he was good. He was so calm and, and relaxed in defence, but he was just right out, right out front. We got that two, first, that two goals in that first home game of the season, um, and, and in fact, one of them was with his foot as well. <laughs> yeah. So he's there when we for someone sort of used to the. Uh, the likes of Keith Dublin and uh, <laughs> oh, I, just, I just can't think of yeah, anyone else to compare over the years um, to have uh, yeah, a, a, a footballer at the yeah. heart of defence it just it makes a nice change doesn't it and he's got that wonderful little flick goal against uh, Forrest which of course Michael he meant oh absolutely of course he did you can <laughs> tell uh, I think everything that Gabriel Angela does he means I think that's, that, that's a given but like as Jay said just such a so nice to have a traditional centre half who is most of the time pretty commanding at the back 
and can play football and can score goals. So we, everyone remembers Ramon Vega as being a, a threat in both boxes for, for, for the wrong reasons. Well, uh, Angela is um, for the main. You know, he has with the rest, along with the rest of the squad. He's been he's been in and out and has suffered from patchy form. But it's a sign of where we're at as a club that we have got players like like him. And it's um, I think we need to be enjoying them. So yeah, he's a, he's a welcome addition to this list. Hi, I'm Katie Anya, and you're listening to from the Korean. Uh, Ross Wilson was the, the director of football operations at Watford a few seasons ago. Uh, left the club after the Potsos uh, took over the club. Uh, currently doing the same job at Huddersfield Town. Was at the game today. Uh, we had a catch up with him for a bit of a chat about sort of his views on, on Watford from a man who was in the club not that long ago, but now looking from the outside. Ross, do you see Watford this year? How performances have you, have you seen the, the squad? Always, always take great interest in Watford, obviously, and always have a look at what's going on so I think it was it's clearly disappointment it's clearly not at the same heights as last year but I think in saying that as well I think, I think there's got to be a lot of credit to everybody that was here last season because they did hit some incredible heights that were always maybe going to be difficult to, to repeat in the second season so I think it's been a disappointing season I think the club would like to have been at a very least challenging for promotion again but it's clearly not been the case I think disappointing but clearly there's still some good players here as well for the Watford fans to enjoy every week Anyone you would like to, any Watford players you'd like to sign? Jonathan Nod <laughs> <laughs> As they talking of the, uh, the good Watford players in the squad at the moment we've seen Deeney score again today from what you've seen of Deeney today and, and heard about this season how does he compare to the player that you remember when you were here and how much he's come on. In my opinion, Troy Deeney could play in the Premier League, no doubt in my opinion. The, the big turning point for Troy, I think, was when Marvin Stardell got sold. Because Troy at that point, you know, we didn't have the finances at that point, and what he did was step up to the mark in a big, big way, and he, um, and he, and he made sure that he was the one that, that was the main man, and I think Troy Relish has been the main man, and he's, he's certainly done that, and I'm delighted for him, I think that's 25 goals, isn't it? So that's fantastic for him, really, really delighted for him. What's he worth, you reckon, on the, on the market? What minimum, let's say, not maximum, what's the minimum you think he's worth now? Are the two years of getting 20 plus goals? It always depends who the buyer is, yeah. but I think the minimum he's worth is about four and a half or five million, in my opinion. You have quite in-depth dealing with transfers, obviously, and, and we've seen a few here at Watford that haven't really worked out, they've had to reload them or whatever. How difficult is that for a club when, when, a, when a transfer comes in, it doesn't really work out, especially when there's been quite a few of them like there has been here at Watford? I think it's very difficult. I think the difficulty. Watford's actually got a bigger difficulty over that than other clubs would because the majority of the players come in are not British now. So when you're in a when you're in a situation where you've brought in a British player and it's not worked out, when you get into the emergency loan market, there's a great knowledge of that player all throughout all the leagues. So you might step down a league, you might step to the bottom of the championship. But with the Watford players, a lot of people don't know much about them, so it can then be difficult to shift that player on. In a, in a situation where it's British players, if you bring a player in, it doesn't work on. In the majority of cases, you can move that player on fairly quickly. And how, how do you think it affects the, the club itself in terms of, of the morale and, and kicking on as a squad? If you've got to, to players and, and staff know when players aren't, it's not really working, and does that get people down? Or well, I think the biggest thing about when, when deals don't work out, the players generally won't be playing. And I think the more players that you've got around the squad that's not playing in any squad, not just the Watford squad, the more players you've got around the squad that's not playing, the more difficult it is to manage the harmony of that group. I think that goes without saying. And I think that's something that's generic all over football. So clearly you don't want to have too many players that don't work out and too many players that's not working, sitting around the training ground every day, unhappy.
what is the feeling you've, you've now had a, a, a while away from here at Vicarage Road what is the feeling about about Watford and what's going on here outside Vicarage Road I've, I've been away um, just almost two years now um, I think the feeling from outside is that there's clearly, there's clearly a lot of interest there's been a lot of things written in the national media I think I think the way the club was before the Portsmouth family arrived I mean I think a lot of people have got soft spot for Watford because they see it as a club that's always tried to do things right and I know there's some critics out there and I know there's some people that are looking maybe hope that the model doesn't work but I think genuinely there's a lot of interest in, uh, within football I think people want to see Watford do well because clearly a lot of the players that come are good players and the club have tried generally to play a nice style of football here um, and people want to see good football don't they so no, I, I, listen, I, I'll accept that there's some scepticism around there people look at it and some people may want it to fail but I also think there's a lot of people that hope it works because there's a there's a, a warm feeling for this club out, uh, outside of Watford and there's also I mean the great thing about today we saw Alex Kubiak and Josh Doherty make their debut and that was a big thing Watford of fans and the, outside of the club thought that's what Watford wouldn't do but it's great sort of seeing those boys who you must have had some dealings with yeah. um, when you were here yeah. I was actually thinking when Josh came on I think Josh might have been the last player that Nick Cox and I were involved in signing here I think he might have been I need to check that but I think he might have been yeah, so it was great to see him come on today um, obviously Bondi's played in goal uh, today um, Tommy Hoban's played again he had a horrendous time with injury I'm delighted to see him back Sean Murray's played so that's great and I think that's one of the most important things and as you said it's something that people were always worried about because this club has got a strong academy this club's got a big brand for playing young players and we can never lose that here at Watford and, and hopefully we can keep that for a long long time and it's great and amongst a different culture we're still seeing Watford Academy players get that opportunity that's great to see a podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans this is from the referee end beating Bournemouth 6-1 being top of the league for a day and Troy Deeney scoring a hat-trick that was the that was a great feeling at that point. We, we, we were on the first three we were on the first three games of the season, and that was probably the best one. Six one at home against Bournemouth. Well, we talked earlier about the the pre-season optimism and the seeing the pictures from the the training camp, and it felt like it was all coming together. And at that stage, it felt like it might be happening on the pitch as well. Goals flying in left, right, and centre. Troy, you know, hat tricks, the first hat trick for for a little while. Another sort of monkey off our back. Top of the league kind of where we expected it to be with sun shining lots of top of the league goals all over the shop but I still maintain that that game sort of masked a few deficiencies it wasn't a 6-1 game people, a few people can remember back that far I think Bournemouth will probably count themselves unlucky perhaps not to have been ahead um, at several points in that game and you would also say that it's the sign of a good team who, who takes their chances and puts, uh, puts teams to the sword so Watford obviously did that that day but I think the signs were there that there's, there's, there's a uh, what's the word what am I looking for the signs were there that was, there was a chance that we were going to do well but there were also signs there that it might pan out the way it did um, so it was great because you've got to enjoy days like that. If you can't enjoy your team winning 6-1 and being top of the league, then you might as well go start watching Lawn Bowls or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it's great. But it's, I think we need to look back on that day now and see it as something that we want to achieve again. We want to be having those days. There were, there were too few of them this year. Too few of them this year. That was a great day. Six goals scored at home. A hat-trick for, for the hometown hero. Happy days, isn't it? It was, it was a great day. Three.
Troy Deeney's goals, goals, goals. We had a massive chat about him on the last podcast, about the potential that you know, maybe he's going to disappear over the summer. What is it that he adds to this squad? Help, isn't it? Goals. Apart from goals, yes. We've talked about the players that haven't quite worked for us this season, the Fabrinis, and now they, we said they've been bullied and not adapted to the championship. Troy is one of those bullies. <laughs> if you look at some of the goals he scored this season, the way he's just brushed defenders aside, pushed them out of the way, sort of, you think he's going to lose the ball, but no, he's, he's strong enough to he's kept his balance, kept on the ball, defenders not been able to get the challenge in when you think he's going to make the ball off him, and the ball's in the back of the net. So there's that. Also, we, we talked about last time about how, he's, how much he's come on, and I think he has... This season in particular, you look at some of the goals that he has scored, uh, even recently, look at the ones against Derby and Charlton, there's some cracking goals there. Mike, do you have a favourite goal he scored? I do, I definitely do, yeah, it was the, um, it was the, the goal against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Cheeky little goal against Sheffield Wednesday, okay, um, it, it basically turned into a one-on-one with, uh, with Chris Kirk underneath. So it was, the, it was the strike of a man in complete control of his game. He completely wrong-footed Chris Kirkland. Instead of welling it, he just rolled it past him and completely wrong-footed Kirkland in the in the process. It was just no, absolutely magical. It's the sort of thing that I would, the sort of goal I'd love to score. Anyone would love to score because you're basically absolutely taking the mick out of the goalie. You're showing that you're in complete control of what you're doing. You've planned it in advance. You've executed it. What a goal it was! And it just, I still watch it and it still makes me smile today. Absolute. He, he owned it. He just won absolutely more, more than a goal because he absolutely owned owned the goalie. It was, it was super brilliant stuff. Jason, your favourite? I quite like the Blackpool one. And, and due to circumstances beyond my control, you know, it was my fault. I had to babysit <laughs> my own child. Um, I couldn't make the Blackpool game, um, but that he had his back to goal, touch turn in one movement, and the ball's in the top corner. That that's great skill. That is. And we talk about him being a bully. There's talent in them feet as well, John. Yeah, I like the goal. I think it was against Leeds where he just battled across the, the, the outside of the, the box and turned and scored and whacked in the back of the net. And that sort of, for me, that's the, that's the, that's the Troy Deeney goal. You know, the, the bully boy, the strong, and uses strength to fight and gets position and just whack it in. Um, but then, yeah, the two goals you said just show the new level to him. And maybe if that can shine more, if he was ever to make it to the Premier League with Watford or with another team, if that comes out, then he could do well in that league. Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. The 16 minutes, the first 16 minutes, yeah. at Manchester City being 2-0 up against the top of the Premier League team. Mike, you were there. Yep. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, it was the, it was sort of like everything was switched around because the expectation of the league season was that we do really well this year, um, which wasn't there last year. And last year we went up there in the cup, thinking, oh, we might give them a bit of a game because we're doing well in the league. Whereas this time we weren't doing well in the league, so there was less expectation in the, going up there in the cup. And I think as a result, the players sort of played with absolute abandon pinged the ball around like we were praying for them to do in the league all year and gave Manchester City the most almighty scare. I mean, the, the scoreline says 4-2. That was not a 4-2 game. Um, Watford could have gone in at half-time 3 and up um, quite comfortably um, and, and were more than value for their, for their two-goal lead. So they, they gave Man City an awful scare and above all else though they gave us two fabulous goals to celebrate like absolute nutcases in the away end because 
at the end of the day, that's what football's about. You get promoted, you get relegated, you're mid-table, you do this, you do that. But it's those little moments, those times that you're just talking about and then the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Obviously, we had the Deeney moment. That would have been great if it was in a normal game. But, you know, then... So those little moments, they're the things that you remember as, as football fans, and I think people who were there that afternoon will remember remember that Troy and, and, and Fernando scoring and just going absolutely bonkers for, for an hour. And what made it even better was we did deserve it. And the concourse was absolutely bouncing at half-time. Most people knew that we probably weren't going to hold on, that, that they'd make a few substitutions and come back strongly and, and probably win. But we certainly had a moral victory that day. But... Those, those two goals going in, everyone, just everyone had a smile on their face. Bouncing up and down, singing, making a din with a smile on your face. If that isn't what being a football fan is all about, then I don't know what it is. Get the podcast and vlog sent straight to you. Subscribe at fromtherookeryend.com. The railway arms are sort of uh, a buzz of, uh, of oh, let's say, celebration a little bit. Well, it's impressive. There's still a lot of yellow, yellow shirts around, yeah. New and old and vintage shirts, I must say. Uh, it, it has been a, a bit of a fun season. We'll, we'll get to number one in a minute. This season's over, isn't it, Jason? The, the There's no more football. Is, 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 they're, they're, well, there might be some football. And we're, not, we're not talking that Premier League rubbish. No, no, no. Summer. The summer where? In Brazil. It's going to be fun watching on television, isn't it? It is going to be fun watching on television. I'm going to enjoy watching on television. Mike, are you going to enjoy watching on television? I watch some games on TV, but I reckon I might take in a few in Brazil, if that's all right with you. Mike is off to Brazil. He's going to be a fan ambassador for gold. Uh, and Sony and we'll be putting our stuff on our website about what he's up to when he's out there but you get to go to where are you going Mike? I'm going to be in Sao Paulo for two weeks towards the end of June uh, so hopefully get to see a couple of England games I'm going to be going to see Honduras against Ecuador which I'm thoroughly awesome. looking forward to yeah. Uh, but yeah I'll be based in Sao Paulo I'll be sort of basically trying to bring a feel of what it's like being a football supporter in Brazil during the greatest show on earth I'm sure FIFA and trademark that and I'm not allowed to say on a, <laughs> on a, on a podcast but yeah it'd be great I'll be doing video diaries, blogging, that sort of stuff. Fantastic opportunity. Can't wait um, to get out there um, and cheer on another team in yellow patch because uh, I don't think England are going to do much so it'll be good, good to keep an eye on Brazil out there. Looking forward to it. So keep an eye on uh, fatherweekend.com with uh, stuff about Mike out in Brazil. Uh, we might do a couple of special podcasts. You never know. One man who's already out in Brazil is Andy Smith, a Watford fan who's been cycling his way across Brazil. Now Mike, we've got to touch. This is what he's up to while he's out there. I've got a special message. Hello, my name's Andy Smith, aka Smudger, and since January this year I've been in Brazil, where I'm attempting to cycle 5,000 miles across this vast country to visit all 12 of the World Cup football stadiums uh, before the tournament kicks off in June. So a little adventure that I'm calling Smudger's Samba Soccer Stadium Cycle Safari. So I began down in the south, ran my way up the coast, took a, a huge inland detour to the capital Brasilia, back out again to the coast and, and up. Currently, just over three, th- uh, three months in, I've cycled 3,400 miles. Uh, still got a long way to go and, and just over a month to do it, but I'll, I'll make it, don't you worry. And I'll end up in, in eventually in Manaus, in the middle of the Amazon, where I'm lucky enough to go and watch England play Italy, and then I'm, I'm staying over here to watch all the England games. Fingers crossed, we'll, we'll make it through the groups and give us some entertainment. But hey, I'm just so, so chuffed to be here, and, and what, what an amazing journey. Uh, this is such a stunning country. Um, the landscapes, the culture, the music, the food, obviously their amazing passion for football. I'd love it if some Watford fans, or as many as possible, can spread the word and, and follow my progress on my blog, which is smudgerstandbycycle.org. 
and should you feel impressed or maybe inspired then I'd love it if you could click on the link on the blog to uh, have a look at the charities that I'm supporting one of which is the Watford Football Club Community Sport and Education Trust who are self-funded so, so they need support they need, they need money to keep doing the fantastic work that they do to get kids and elderly people and disability groups playing sport have a look, find out more and, and maybe even if you, if you want uh, donate a little bit of money to them that would be absolutely wonderful, thank you I hear that Rookery Mike is coming over to Brazil to, to join the World Cup celebrations so that's fantastic I hope we can meet up in, in Sao Paulo and have a chat about my trip and yeah, talk about Brazil and Watford and everything in between I think you're going to have a fantastic time over here Mike it's, it's just, yeah, like I've said, just an incredible country and I think, uh, despite some negative press reports about delays of the stadiums and, and some protests yeah, that, that's all true but, come on, this is Brazil this, this is the home of, of football since, since we invented it, of course, back home but they've taken it on and my god they love the sport here it's just incredible the passion so I'm sure it's going to be an incredible World Cup just a carnival and it's a bit of a cliche but it's true it's just going to be fantastic bring it on and come on England and come on you all Jason do you have a personal favourite moment from this year? yeah I have a very personal favourite moment from this year uh, Watford nil, Bolton 1 Okay. Um, doesn't sound like a great game, does no. it? I, I wasn't there, I was next door in the hospital. No. That was the day my little boy was born. Um, so I was able to sort of hold him and sort of point him, he probably didn't take any of his notes, but point him in the direction, looking out at, at the Vicarage uh, Road, and say, yeah, boy, this is, you, this is your life, mate, this is where you're going to spend every other Saturday afternoon. He probably um, was nappy. Anybody been we listened out for a, for a home cheer, it never came. But there will be more to come. That won't deter him, there will be more to come. Well, I had my first son this year, and uh, maybe he'll be making, we will be making trips, uh, maybe with Daniel, to, to, to cheer on many, many years in the Premier League. Mike, you, you, you take your little lad at Arlo to many games. He had his first away game this year. Yeah, we went to, uh, we went to Derby, which was, he absolutely loved it because he just scored goals flying in left front centre, so he was. <laughs> He was pretty pleased, but I was um, I was less uh, less convinced by the entertainment value uh, that day. I didn't enjoy that very much, but uh, good to have him along. I'm sure you you know all of you would have sort of made personal moments, and, and they're the fun moments, aren't they? If you're a football fan, it's not football's not all about winning. Football no, it makes no. it you know we're stood here at the railway arms, we're looking around. There's, there's yellow shirts. We've just seen our team get battered 4-1 at the end of what can only be described as a very, very disappointing season. But there are people chatting, having fun, having a beer, having a drink, having a bite to eat. And they know that we'll be back again next year. And, and football is more than just the, just the, the goals for and against. And you've talked about our little personal moments there, taking our, taking our kids along. And that, that's part of it. But also, you know, getting allowance with your mates, making a racket on the train, walking through, uh, you know, dingy backwaters up north, sort of singing songs and making yourself known there's so much more to it than than, um, than just winning or losing and being promoted or being relegated and we must never ever lose sight of how, in, how important and how special football is and how lucky we are to be football supporters who, who enjoy the game and uh, we've met loads of great people doing the podcast we've seen some rubbish we've seen some great stuff but you know we finished 13th, 12th whatever it was as always next year we've you know it's been great 
So what is the number one moment in Watford's 2013-2014 season? One! In a year where maybe the results weren't what we desired, after the flames came the brand new, not quite finished yet, East Stand, the number one moment, Mike. I think it has to be, doesn't it? I think it's, it's symbolic. Like you say, it's not finished. There are seats in there today. But it is it's absolutely symbolic of where our football club is at, at this moment in time. We've tried for, for well, decades, I guess, to get that, that side of the ground redeveloped. And now it's finally happening. Things aren't happening quite as quickly as we hoped on the pitch. That is, I think that's truly symbolic of, of where we're at. We're, we're playing, you know, it's almost impossible not to have building analogies when you talk about what's happened since the Potsdam have taken over but we're laying decent foundations for us to move forward as a club on the pitch off the pitch for the future for the now and, and obviously the East End is just such a, such a big part of that it's, they're the first people to actually put their hands in their pocket and to make the, make the running thing happen everyone knows it's, we wanted to do it now it's happening and they didn't need to do that because we won't fill the ground next year um, but they recognise how important it is and they, re- they recognise the importance of the investment and it's happening and while you know things might, ha- it might have to start, we might have another year like this next year we might flirt with relegation who knows we're on, a, we're on a learning curve on the pitch, but what can be certain is that off the pitch, we're safe, we're solid, and we're, and we're moving forward. Jason, the uh, East End starting to look good. It's been a while since anything has been on that side of it, but the big thing is that that means they're going to rename the Ralph Stand over the summer into the Graham Taylor Stand. Now, Mr. Bassini, uh, who I hope we never mention again, but this is a good thing. Had said that he was going to name the whatever, whenever the East Stand was built, the Graham Taylor Stand, but they've renamed the Ralph Stand. Are you happy with that? I'm happy with that, yeah. Ralph Stand is probably more befitting of a. Yeah. It's big enough, isn't it? Of, of, of the legend that is Graham Taylor. And I believe the new stand is going to be the, what, the community stand, is that right? I don't know. I haven't yeah. heard of Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and again, that sort of. That sort of fits that as well, I think. It's like because uh, I, my original thought, I think like many, was probably okay. They call that one the, the Grand Taylor, so they can brand, get a sponsor in for the other one. But no, it's, it's actually going to be a community stand, and that I think that fits well with what it's what it's going to be. I think it always it'll always be the East Stand and the Main Stand to to most people. Um, but I think it's absolutely right that they've called the the Rouse Stand the, the, the GT Stand because you know Pasini said he was going to name an unbuilt stand after Graham Taylor. It's a, it's a cynical move to keep just to keep supporters happy and sort of saying sort of really sort of pathetic little tidbits. Oh, he's going to build the Grand Taylor Stand. What a what a great guy when he had no intention of building it. If Watford had named that stand after Graham Taylor, they would have been sort of um, following through on one of Bastini's promises. So I'm pleased that they have done an about turn on that. Flicked two fingers up to him and said, "You may have said that. We know you never meant to do it. We've got a fantastic structure here that's befitting of one of the most important people in Watford's history. That's what we're going to name after." Uh, that's what we're going to name after Graham Taylor, and we'll and we'll have a nod to our, uh, the importance of the community by naming it the, the East Stand. That absolutely the right decision. Hugely exciting times. Can't wait to see it full of smiling, happy faces. The number one thing about the 2013-2014 season is a brand new East Stand. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Go on then, boys. We've got some ahead of us. You're going to be doing, Mike. Yep. What needs to happen at Watford? It's going to be another another busy time at Watford. I mean, I think we spoke to Scott Duxbury, and he and he's been gone and he said that he, he doesn't think necessarily there's going to be that many 
players in and out this summer. I think there probably will be, uh, and he may well have changed his mind after watching those last three games. There didn't look to be many players playing for their place to me out there over the last uh, last three games. So, as we spoke about earlier, I think there's decisions to be made about the manager. I, you know, and I've got grave doubts as to whether whether Beppe is going to be here at the start of the season in August. There is building to be done. We didn't get it right this year by quite a long margin. You know, the, the table says it all. We were 13th, I think we finished today. Um, finished with a run of very, very poor performances. And we were never really in with a shout of the playoffs, regardless of the... Of the mathematics. Regardless of the mathematics. If we'd have snuck in, it would have been because everyone else is worse than us. Which, it was never going to happen, and it, and it proved to be the case. So... It kind of feels like we're a lot further back than we were at the start of this season. But having said that, you've got to hope that we'll have learnt lessons. And from a, you know losing 4-1 on the final day to Huddersfield, people will forget it quickly. But I think internally the club will be taking some big things from that. And we need to look at the goalkeeping situation. We need to look at defensively. We've been letting far too many sloppy goals this year. We need to look at concentrating across the whole piece, playing for 90 minutes seeing it right 95, 96 minutes if needs be. We need to think about what's going to happen if Troy goes. Um, if he doesn't go, what's the best foil for him up front? Who we, we've got it. We're going to keep a 20-year, 20-goal-a-year striker. We need to make the most when we get someone else. So I think every every area of the pitch needs attention. Luckily, the Pozzos are going to be prepared to do it. They've got the strength for the fight. It's going to be a busy old close season. Talk about it. I can't wait for August already. They're happy. They're still cheering, as we can hear. This one I said, Jason, we were flirting with the, the playoffs. We, we got to the final. The expectations this year have been massive. Are they going to be here next year, do you reckon? Massive expectations now. I think this season we'll have uh, normalised them, so to speak. Okay. I think we realise that it's, it's not that easy. There are probably 15 or so teams in that division that will think they can go up next season same as this season you've got Wolves coming up from League 1 who are going to expect to be up there and I think they will with their momentum there'll be big teams coming down and there are big teams that haven't made the playoffs teams finishing around us like Middlesbrough and Leeds everyone's going to think they have got a good chance of going up next season um, and this season I think well, hopefully we've worked it out as fans that yeah just because we've got all these player players um, at, our, at our disposal it doesn't guarantee promotion or success um, so yeah I, the trouble is and I've been sort of saying the last couple of weeks I don't want sweeping changes I've seen it today I don't, I don't see how it can happen without unfortunately um, and we could end up again seeing all these players coming in it could be a new manager as we said already we could end up we're going to be looking on YouTube again looking at all these unknown players and get oh we look really good and it's all going to be oh look like at all these great players we've got oh we're going to be fantastic again we just need to tone it down a bit I think and just we just have to see what happens the important thing is we get behind the team and just try and help them to promotion we get behind the team we've actually got a stadium we've got a club that seems to that's secure and happening and not going out of business it's going to be great next year then Mike we go again that's all I've got that's all he's got next year's going to be the fifth year of Formula Ukraine thank you very much if you've listened at any point over the last four years and if you ever listen again thank you very much Uh, thank you everyone who's supported us everyone at the club everyone who's been on basically we've had loads of great guests been superb carry on listening carry on getting in touch let us know what you want on the podcast let us know what you don't